Welcome to another episode of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I'm your host, Stephen Lomer. My guest this week is a supremely talented author and editor. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. And she's 100% appendix-free. Ladies and gentlemen, the pleasure is all yours, Stacy Longo. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. <laughs> it's so wonderful to have you here. Normally I start by going over the author's bio, which I will do. Okay. But I wanted to talk about how our paths first crossed. Okay. Because I think you probably know part of the story, but I don't think you know the entire story oh, of how intriguing. we yes, of how we originally crossed paths. Uh, I had been attending uh, Super Mega Fest Comic Con for many years, uh, and I would do what everyone who goes to Super Mega Fest does. I would see the celebrities. I would look at all the cool cosplay, and I would completely ignore the authors. I would walk by the authors with my head down, not make any eye contact. So you're one of those. Yes. Well, I was one of those. And then I became an author. And I said, all right, well, I can't do that anymore. Now I have to, like, pal up with the existing authors. So I went to the website, and I looked at the list of authors who were appearing. And there were some scary dudes on that list. You know the dudes I'm talking about. <laughs> there were all these scary dudes and one woman. So it was essentially like the Avengers. And I, hey. yeah, and I said, this woman looks so sweet and friendly. <laughs> I will, I know, I'll, I'll let you get that out. I, 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 will, I will somehow befriend her. So I, I sent you some sort of message, I, 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 either an email or a Facebook message, and I said, I was total fanboy. I can't wait to see you at Super Mega Fest. And you, probably sensing a sale, said, Oh, yeah, I'm so excited to meet you at Super Mega Fest. And, and so I had established that link with an author at Super Mega Fest. So I was very excited about that. And then in further stalking you, I found out that you did the MS walk and that you were a little bit short of your goal. And I donated yes. to your goal and uh, you reached it, and so it, in effect, I purchased your friendship. Yes. So <laughs> it was totally worth it. It was a wonderful <laughs> investment, so thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. For allowing me to invest in Stacy Longo <laughs> Incorporated. Okay, so now your bio, and, and yours is my favorite bio so far because it's hysterical. Oh. Uh, you were born in Connecticut yep. in the 1970s and grew up with two parents that had the audacity to be loving and supportive role models, though you were able to successfully create your own angst despite their best efforts. Uh, you and your sister grew up among the fluorescent nightmare that was the 80s, awash in leg warmers and off-the-shoulder flash dance tees. It was your love for Duran Duran that got you through those tumultuous fashion times. Sure was. Uh, after college, you moved to Block Island, Rhode Island, where you eventually began your writing career as a weekly humor columnist for the Block Island Times. Uh, for six years, you waxed poetic on such topics as how to disguise dust bunnies as wall-to-wall -wall carpeting, and how difficult it is to tell the difference between wild grass and corn when weeding the garden. During this time, you also published articles in the Island Crier and the Works magazine. In 2005, you returned to your home state of Connecticut with no ticker tape parade. Huh. You worked as a copy editor to support your writing habit and live an anxiety-ridden, caffeine-injected life with your husband, Jason, and two cats, Wednesday and Pugsley. Yes, all of that is true. Okay, <laughs> excellent. All right. So let's talk about some books. Okay. Uh, you published 
the collection of wickedly entertaining stories titled Secret Things in 2013. Okay. <laughs> sure I did. <laughs> is, is what my research turned up. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what was the what was the story behind Secret Things? Um, I have, oh, I just didn't know. Okay. Uh, Secret <laughs> Things came about because I had, when I left Black Island, I wanted to take a break from writing humor. And, but I really wasn't writing anything except stupid little essays that went nowhere. Okay. So my husband, who was a big horror fan, I am a big horror fan, he kept pushing me, oh, you should write horror, you should write horror. And I said, no, <laughs> I don't think I can pull that off. So I then, my husband and I went to, they had an event at the Bushnell, which is in Hartford, Connecticut. And Tim Deal was there, and at the time, Tim was the publisher of Shroud Magazine, and he talked about how horror and humor aren't necessarily as separated as one might think, mm -hmm. and because you have to have a huge you know, suspension of disbelief mm -hmm. to buy things like uh, a girl having telekinetic powers in high school, mm -hmm. you know, um, who then, you know, destroys everybody at the prom. So, um, which is fun and and Who horrific. are we talking about? I, well, all right, so this little known author. You never heard of him, I won't even mention Okay, so, okay. So, Main guy. Yeah, yeah, some guy. I, I can't remember. Um, so, and it was after hearing Tim talk about that that I said, maybe I can do this. So. Around 2010, I started writing short stories that were horror, and I did really well, much to my surprise. So the first year, I had sold something like 14 short stories, and then the second year, I had sold 12. Mm -hmm. um, and I eventually had so much out there that I thought, why don't I put together a short story collection? Nice. So I did. Nice. And there it is. And there it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, in February 2015, you published My Mom Has MS and also Ordinary Boy. So two books in 2015. Yeah, that was by accident. Oh, was it? Yes. So Ordinary Boy was published by Dark Alley Press, and I had sold that manuscript to them in 2000, late 2013. Um, so I had to add another 15 to 20,000 words to Ordinary Boy, kind of, you know, pushed it out, the publication date out a little bit just to go through the editing and uh -huh. layout process and all that with them. But then in the meantime, so I do the MS walk every year. I have a very good friend, Renee, who has MS. And she, once she was diagnosed, instead of feeling bad for herself and moping and whining, as I would have done, no sure. doubt. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yay. So yeah, <laughs> she like got very passionate about supporting the National MS Society and doing the walk every year. She got friends at work involved, her family is all involved, Every, everyone in her, everyone she's ever met got very involved <laughs> in this. and. That year, what year was that, 2014 or 15? Uh, 15. 15. So that year, I had done it, she was diagnosed in 2008, it was two weeks after my wedding, because um, I remember her, she was one of my bridesmaids, and I remember her at my wedding rubbing her palms because she couldn't feel them. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And, um, and we didn't know then that she had MS, but anyway. Um, 
I had done the walk with her every year leading up to 2015 and in mid 2014 the promoters of Super Mega Fest invited me as a guest which has never happened mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. right. here I am I, you know I'm I'm an author I you know I'm I'm going to be a guest at uh -huh. a convention this is awesome but it's the same weekend as the MS walk oh so I was like oh crap so I I had this idea to write a children's book. Now, Renee's son, Patrick, who was in kindergarten when she was diagnosed, he started the following year for his birthday um, asking for donations to the MS Society instead of receiving gifts, and which is amazing for a kid that age. Sure. And I wanted to see if I could make a story out of that. So. When I finally got up the nerve to tell Renee, I can't be at the walk this year, I had like the best backup plan because of what I wound up saying to her was, I can't do the walk, but surprise, I wrote a book about you and your family. Hopefully that's okay, <laughs> which it was. Okay, good, <laughs> and, good. Uh, and I illustrated it, so I have really poorly drawn pictures of you and your family. <laughs> and um, and we can, I thought maybe we could use this as a fundraiser. And she loved the idea, so that is how they both came out the same year. Just delays in publishing, Ordinary Boy, and my guilt. Okay, all right. Made it all come together. Sure, guilt is a great motivator <laughs> to really get something is. published. Sure, yes, absolutely. <laughs> And then in 2017, you published My Mom, MS, and a Sixth Grade Mess. What was the story behind that one? When I was doing events with My Mom Has MS, I met a lot of people who either had MS themselves or had someone in the family who had it, and they loved this idea because the, the My Mom Has MS is designed to teach very young children that your parent is, isn't going to the personality isn't going to change. They are still your mom or your dad, and they love you, and they're still going to be awesome and amazing. They just this is just another part of you know who they are, mm -hmm. um, and it's not scary and it's okay. And a lot of the people that I met at events were saying, "Well, my kids are a little older," which kind of made sense if you look at the average age when someone's diagnosed, it's usually in their early 40s, late 30s, early 40s. Mm -hmm. So their kids probably would be a little older. So I wound up calling Renee and saying, I'm getting a lot of requests for something a little, you know, aimed toward like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Can I write about your family again? And she was all for it. And so we worked together to come up with what is the underlying theme going to be, which is essentially because in that age group, when you're going through puberty, you're, you're embarrassed by your parents anyway. Sure. You know? Yep. And then if you have a parent with an illness that may affect them, like Renee has gone to sporting events for her, she has four sons. She's gone to her kids sporting events and she has heard parents comment like, oh, I think that woman's drunk because she, her gait is mm -hmm. off. Sure. Um, so essentially what we did was we aged Patrick to sixth grade. Mm -hmm. He's actually a little older than okay. the Patrick in the stories now. Um, but we aged him, we put him in sixth grade, and we gave him a lot of sixth grade angst 
uh, you know, like he likes this girl, but she likes his best friend. <laughs> and how's he going to come up with this English paper or, or, you know, this English project that he didn't read the book about? Uh -huh. And his mom is embarrassing him in public. Right. And, um, and basically it was still what you perceive as might be embarrassing, uh, you know, with your parents' symptoms. Everybody that age is embarrassed by their parents. Right. And you may think your parent is just mortifying, but <laughs> nobody else does, so get over it. Right, right. <laughs> but yes. nicer than that. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. So that, <laughs> I might have gone on a little bit about that, but that's how that came about. Okay, all right. Uh, now, aside from all the anthologies that you've contributed to, uh, I thought I had all of your books covered, and then I discovered Pookie. Oh yes. And the Lost and Found Friend. What is Pookie and the Lost and Found Friend? Please. Right. That. <laughs> that. All right. <clears throat> Let me preface this by saying I really love my mother. Okay. <laughs> all right. My parents have always been very supportive and encouraging of my writing. Okay. And when I was in third grade, I wrote this story, Pookie and the Lost and Found Friend. And my mother thought it was brilliant because that's what mothers do. Sure. And all of my life, my mother has said, why haven't you published Pookie? Why haven't you published Pookie? So, quite frankly, to <laughs> shut her up, I dug out the old story. It was <laughs> terrible. Okay. <laughs> a third grader wrote it. Sure, sure. And you can tell. Okay. Um, okay. But it did it had some funny elements to it. So I revised it and I rewrote it and um, and then I published it to make my mother happy. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Pookie and the Lost and Found Friend was really for your mother. It yes. Okay. It, it was for my mother and it is a children's Halloween story. Okay, that's very sweet. Well, it made her happy. So okay. All that matters. That's really all that matters. <laughs> um, this is a complete non sequitur, but do you know Stacy Longo Graham? Nope. Okay. Should I? Well, th this is really interesting because uh, in doing my research, I, you know, I found Pookie and the Lost and Found Friend, and in researching your books, I found another author who is listed when you search for Stacy Longo. Her name is Stacy Longo Graham. Wow. And I thought, what are the odds <laughs> that there are two authors whose first couple of names are Stacy Longo, and then it deviates from there. But the odds must be astronomical. I agree. I And I she must be fairly new, because I'm not gonna lie, I've ego Googled myself. <laughs> and, um, I, there is a Stacy Longo who's a fashion designer, and there's a Stacy Longo who is a doctor in New Jersey. Oh, all right. But I have not heard of Stacy Longo Graham. Okay, and so I hope she doesn't write horror. Well, I don't know what she writes actually. Well, and she comes up secondary if you search Stacy Longo. Yeah, it's you and then her. So Yay. don't even worry about her. All right, all right. I was just curious if you. <laughs> Uh, if you would Google yourself and you, and you came across this other Stacy Longo author. Apparently not lately. <laughs> no, no, I guess not. Your blog archives go all the way back to 2010 and cover everything from tick removal to Andy Kaufman. How do you do it? How do you blog that much and that 
religiously. I would like to I would like to thank Royal Bruce Montgomery. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, when I was sorry, that's my little Deadpool moment. Uh, okay. So <laughs> okay. When I was writing for the Block Island Times, uh, my editor was or the publisher was a man named Royal Bruce. That is really his name. Okay. He looks like Mark Twain, and he's a fabulous, fabulous man. Okay. With a great sense of humor. Okay. And a fantastic laugh. And one thing that Royal Bruce did not put up with is people missing deadlines. So for the seven years that I wrote for him, I had to come up with a new column every week ah. on time. And I did not, I also, I'm one of those people who's very eager to please. Mm -hmm. So I never missed a deadline. <laughs> um, so when I started the blog, I kind of pictured Royal Bruce as my audience. Uh -huh. And even though he has retired from the newspaper business <laughs> long ago. What's a newspaper? <laughs> right, right. Um, I do sort of like, all right, you don't miss a deadline. You have to do it. So even when I'm thinking there is absolutely nothing to write about and I do not want to post a blog and I would rather rip off my own arm and beat myself with it mm -hmm. rather than write a blog. Mm -hmm. I think I can't do that to Royal Bruce. <laughs> do I think he reads my blog? No. Okay. Oh, well, actually that's not true. He did read one because I wrote a blog about him ah. and he was ego surfing, uh -huh. found it, okay. and then emailed me. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, were you a writer before you became an editor or, or vice versa? I was a writer first. Okay. And I was writing for the Black Island Times. And the thing with living, uh, so Black Island is a resort community. It is a tourist trap, forgive me. <laughs> um, and you cannot survive out there with only one job. And I certainly wasn't going to pay the bills just writing a weekly column. So I was also the tax collector. I was also um, the bookkeeper for a couple of businesses out there. And eventually they needed a proofreader at the Times. And Bruce asked me, based on the lack of editing that the columns needed, which was the hugest compliment ever, <laughs> if I would consider proofreading for them at night. So I figured, I don't know, four jobs isn't enough. <laughs> so that's how I started as an editor. I was a proofreader first. And then, I'm like, you know those tests where they, you know, right brain, left brain, uh -huh. logic versus creativity. Sure. I always fall right down the middle. Oh. I'm always 50-50. And there is definitely a portion of my brain that loves following rules. If there are rules, that's my thing. I'm all about it and I'm going to follow them to a T. So Bruce had introduced me to the AP style book and then when I kept, I'm an avid reader and I kept seeing these books that I am now looking at saying these do not follow AP. What's going on here? Then I learned about the Chicago Manual style. Chicago Manual, yes. And the passion bloomed in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am not kidding. I have read it. Uh, probably when I first was introduced it, I read it cover to cover twice. The whole thing? Oh my god, yeah. The oh, Chicago yeah. Manual? Oh yeah. 
I love it. You I have to it. be the only person who's ever read the entire Chicago manual. I don't think so. I think the editors in New York do. Well, wow. the interns don't. They've gone to interns now, but I think back in the day they did. And It's a big book. It is. It's really it big. It is. It took some time. And it's not set up the way the AP Style Guide is, where you can true. just flip to something and AP find your answer. Fast. Well, <laughs> Chicago Manual Style Online is fantastic. Oh. All, well, I shouldn't say fantastic, because you really need to know what you're looking for okay. and match it to their keyword. Okay. Um, that like You can't search... You know, uh, nicknames. You have to search like uh, epithets. I think I, I'm going to come up with the wrong word. I have epithets. Thank you. That's Thank you. <laughs> no sweat. That's what I'm here for. I just had surgery, people. She just had surgery. I have people. brain fog. Jeez. <laughs> so, so you have to kind of know what you're looking for. But they do. They have made vast improvements in their online search, so that you can go right to the section and chapter section and subsection that okay. you need. Um, so that really developed my passion for editing and then when I got back to the mainland my career up until that point had either been in finance or in human resources Duh. and right <laughs> right so kind of looked at my resume and said I hate finance I hate it. I hate numbers. I hate worrying about. I can do them. Mm-hmm. I'm good at it, mm-hmm. but I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and human resources is just horrible. So I looked at this one line on my resume that said proofreader slash copy editor and said, I wonder if I can turn that into a career. So I applied for a few positions. I wound up getting um, an interview with Pearson, who, you know, the textbooks. Mm-hmm. Everybody, if you have a, if you are in college and you have a textbook, chances are Pearson is the one who published it, mm-hmm. and they gave me a test, which everybody should do. And um, yes, they should. Yeah, they really yes, should. Yes, they should. <laughs> and now uh, they hired me, and that's how I really got into it full time. Wow. Uh, what's Books and Booze Press? And before you answer. Everyone who says Books and Booze Press, I immediately think B-O-O-Z-E, so Books and Booze, which would be great. (laughs) I think that's a great combination. Yes. But uh, for for you, it's Books and B-O-O-S. Yes. Uh, What is Books and Booze? It is a publishing company that my husband and I started in 2013. And we owned a bookstore at the time. We knew we were going to close the bookstore. And in what may be the world's stupidest reason to start a press, um, I had doodled a little ghost reading a book. Oh, I've uh, seen that yes. ghost. Yes, and, I've seen him. Yeah, and my husband said, I love this little ghost. We should start a publishing company, <laughs> and he can be our logo. And I, I may have had too much booze, because yeah, I was like, that is a did. great idea. Wow. Yeah, because <laughs> so my husband's into um, social media and uh, marketing and promotion. That's what he enjoys. And I already, I'm a writer, I'm an editor, I, you know, so I'm like, all right. And I had already started to learn for other presses how to do formatting and layout for books. So we thought, all right, this might work. Um, and it has. It's a lot more work than I anticipated. It often eats into my writing time. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am definitely, not that we had a 
particularly arduous schedule to begin with. Um, I had hoped to keep it to one book a quarter. We have done two to three books a quarter for the past couple of years. Um, I am going to take it down to much less next year, just because I can't keep up. Right. But yeah, so that's where it started. And, and then we kind of had the, uh, the goal of we wanted to bring lesser known horror writers to the public um, who write well because they don't get the attention they deserve. Hmm. So. Very true, very true, agreed. You appear at a tremendous number of conventions. What's your favorite convention story? <laughs> um, you know the answer to that. <laughs> yes, but I want the world <laughs> to know the answer to that. All right. All right. With apologies to my husband before I start. And it's not as dirty as it's... it's kind of, no, it's not. Uh, I wish it was dirtier. So, when you... I will say Super Mega Fest is probably my favorite convention anyway. The guys who run it are very happy to be there and mm -hmm. they love what they do and it shows in everything that they do. Agreed. And in November of 2016, yes, it was Super Mega Fest, the fall Super Mega Fest, and they had. Richard Grieco, who played Booker on 21 Jump Street, and then he had his own show. And we were staying at the same hotel. Where are you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I went outside that morning. I, I got up earlier than my husband, who wasn't feeling well anyway, and almost didn't come to the show with me. Um, I was up and showered and dressed, and Jason hadn't even moved yet, and <laughs> I went downstairs to partake of some nicotine outside. Sure. Don't partake of nicotine, kids. Uh, it's a bad, horrible habit. Unless you want case, to meet Richard Grieco. It was perfect. <laughs> so it had been a cloudy, rainy day, but I swear in this moment, the clouds parted. <laughs> the sun a You're such a writer. Oh my down. god. And there before me in a black leather jacket and the coolest Ray-Bans you've ever seen on a teen idol who's now probably in his late 40s, mm -hmm. before me stood Richard Rico smoking a cigarette. And I said, I'm sorry, the teenage me inside is doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> So he laughed and said, so what do you do? And we started talking. And the wonderful thing about him is that he isn't just an actor. He is an artist. And he also is a passionate reader and um, does all these different things and just a lot of different creative things. And we wound up talking for like 45 minutes. And then my husband texted me and said, where are you? Are you coming back up? <laughs> so I turned to this beautiful man and said, can I get a selfie? And he said, sure. So I took a picture of us together, and then I texted my husband and said no, and I sent him the selfie. <laughs> and here's why. And yeah, and he, and I, I do, I have the best husband ever because he was like, okay. <laughs> well, and, what's he going to do? It's uh, Richard Grieco. Uh, right. For Come crying on. out loud. Yeah, yeah. So then, then the worst part came when Richard Grieco said, so do you do these things alone? 
Mm. And I had to say, oh, mm. my phone's not supposed to be. Oh, gutting. I still left with his phone number. So? Do you still have his phone number? Oh my God, yeah. Oh, wow. Is it <laughs> and, framed? Yeah, the card is framed <laughs> in my office. It's in my contacts list. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Ah, the Richard Grieco story. Yeah. I never tire of hearing I, it. I, I hope nobody does, because I tell it a lot. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. You've met a lot of uh, celebrities, Richard Grieco, um, the guy from Devo, uh, yes. Bob Backlund, yes. uh, Ted DiBiase, Chris Jericho, uh, Richard Hatch yes. from Survivor, not yes. Battlestar Galactica. The one that's important. Yes, the important Richard Hatch. <laughs> Joe Mena, I have to mention him too. He's also, he was just on the last season That's Survivor. right. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and so those are all lovely celebrities, but without naming any names, What's the worst celebrity encounter you've had at one of these cons? Oh, Lord. I've had a couple. Okay. Um, Pick the worst. We want to hear the worst. We don't want to hear the second worst. Oh, oh. oh it's so hard. I, I hate thinking poorly of people. <laughs> but I... we've all had crappy celebrity encounters so yeah let's hear yours um, you don't have to name the person all right so there was one wrestler okay who i who <laughs> is not known for much of anything besides mutilating another wrestler um that's his one claim to fame i'll tell you when the cameras are off. okay all right um, i'm trying to okay and he was sitting alone at his table, um, so I took the opportunity to go over there and say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. It's so nice to see you, and it looks like you're doing well. Um, I had heard you had some health problems a little while back. I'm so glad to see you're doing better. And he looked at me and said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So I said, really? Because I could have sworn I read this article. No. No, I don't know what you're talking about. And then my husband, who does the social media, I think it, this must have been Super Megafest. Uh, he does the social media from Super Megafest. He came over and said, can I just get a picture of you two talking? And he put the, his hand up in front of the camera and said, no, leave me alone. And so I said, okay, bye. And, um, and then I remember turning to my husband and saying, nobody's heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> Who does he think he is? He should be glad somebody wants, and it's not for our personal archives. It's not like we're running a porn website. Like he is nobody. And that's the thing too, like you shouldn't, except for Richard Grieco is somebody. Um, <laughs> a lot of these celebrities, particularly these wrestlers who are no longer in the WWE, this is all they have. Right. You're nobody. Right. Lose the ego. Uh -huh. Like, there are a million wonderful wrestlers. Uh, Scott Hall was one of the greatest guys I've ever met. Nice. Um, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Jake mm -hmm. the Snake Roberts. They, they have no ego. They are wonderful, wonderful people. Because mm -hmm. they don't take themselves too seriously. Like, right. dude, who do you think you are? So, <laughs> that was a negative experience. That's unfortunate. I'm yeah. sorry. I think I know who it is. Okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Um, now, it's obvious by how much you socialize at these conventions that you have a lot of friends on the convention circuit. Um, what do those people bring to your life besides free swag? Um, 
I never ask my friends for free stuff. <laughs> but you end up with it. I, sometimes I do. Uh, yeah, sometimes I do. <laughs> a lot of times I do. All right, then. I do. Um, <laughs> the convention scene is hard work. It is, I am an introvert. Mm -hmm. And I'm an in the the correct term for it is an introvert with an outgoing personality. Hmm. So, and my mother is very introverted. My father is very extroverted. So I'm sure this is where. And plus, my father had said once too, like, you're not going to accomplish anything if you don't be nice and say hi. <laughs> and he's right. Um, he's got a point. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, as much as I like to hide in my blanket for sure. Uh, yeah, sure. We um, all do. So. Convention, besides the drive and the setup, and then greeting people constantly and trying to sell yourself, because when you're doing these things, you're not just selling your book, you are selling yourself. And if they don't like you, they're not gonna buy your book. So right. you really have to be on your A game and be nice and be approachable and be sociable and smile and make eye contact, but don't be too pushy. <laughs> uh, you know, and, you, and, it's, and it's so draining. Mm -hmm. So you definitely develop a con family of people that are going to be there with you, who understand what you're going through. And you know, and it isn't just being on, if you're in a convention at the, you know, it's summertime, it's crowded, the smells are awful. There are inappropriate <laughs> cosplay outfits. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. And you need to have people there that you can turn to and say, I'm pretty sure Spider-Man stuffs his tights. Take a look. <laughs> and that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that was me yeah. you turned to and yes. said that, if I recall correctly. You need people there who you are comfortable with that you can say something like that who won't judge you. Right. Right. <laughs> so yes. It definitely, it keeps your energy levels up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always, so I always... If, if I didn't have my convention family, it would be very hard to get out of bed and go to these conventions because you need people who you know are gonna be there that you can look forward to and say, ah, oh, my friends will be there and go through this with me. Right, right, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I like to keep authors humble. Great. And in doing so, I I like to find uh, bad reviews. Oh yay! Of their books. Yay! Did so you I, find I, the one about the girl who threw up? No. Oh, one of I my favorites. I didn't find that one. Oh, it's but fairly new. I found it. I found the ordinary boy one. Are you familiar with this one? Possibly. I can't. I don't. Uh, maybe. I try let's not read, to read it. Let, let's read this. It's one one long run-on sentence. Yay! And I, I'll just try and pronounce the words as they're written. Okay. <laughs> Uh, ordinary Boy was not a read for me. If you like books like The Lovely Bones, then you will probably enjoy this, but there were aspects of the story I just did not care for. He wasn't really an ordinary kid. He was a young boy loved by his mother who struggled to make ends meet doing what she had to do, she felt, in order to keep them in their home, which eventually backfires on her there was too much in this book that I just don't care to read about. So it wasn't for me, but if you don't mind reading about a kid who's beat up for nothing more than a being in the wrong place at the wrong time, sleeping in a closet because they only have two bedrooms, alienates name calls yet fools around with a grill who has a <laughs> strawberry birthmark on her face, and then there is the abuse his mother endures and the eventual murder of the entire family. All in all, I did not 
like this book and won't be picking up any more in this genre. Wow. That so, is something. So thoughts? <laughs> is that wow. fair? Is that I, is that a fair assessment of ordinary boy? From that reader? <laughs> you bet. You betcha. You know what? You're not going to please everybody and I am okay. Yeah. If that reader does not pick up anything else in this Genre, genre, genre. That's okay. Yeah. it's not the genre for them. I hope this person never picks picks up another book in their life. <laughs> I hope personally. to God they're not a writer. Yeah, I. <laughs> oh my God, that, that that was one of my favorite uh, reviews. That though. is fun. That was great. That was really good. <laughs> um, what do you think you would have been if not a writer slash editor, farmer? Stayed maybe, on the farm with the family. Maybe I do well. My father never wanted us to get into farming. Really? Yeah, it's a hard life. It is. He has always said, if you want to make a million dollars as a farmer, start with two million and quit when you've lost half your money. <laughs> and he's, he's probably accurate. Um, That's very clever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know that I would have been. I certainly wouldn't have been a dairy farmer. I think that's a lot of. A lot. It was a lot of work for him. Uh, it, had he not retired young, which he did, it would have killed him. Um, wow. It definitely would have. And um, fun little story, though. So my father, as I break HIPAA laws, my father had to have a uh, heart valve transplant um, shortly after he retired, and the valve that they used was a was a. Bovine, is that the right word? Uh -huh, yeah. Yeah, from a cow. From a cow. Yeah. So a cow saved his life. Isn't that awesome? So anyway. He was a dairy farmer and a cow saved his life. Yes. That's extraordinary. I've Why haven't you written that story yet? I haven't, I don't know. I, I don't it's know. all there. <laughs> I know. Oh, you write have to do yourself. just fill in the details. <laughs> My God, if you don't write that, I'm going to. Oh, all right, I'll write this story. But okay. anyway, yeah, so I don't know, maybe, maybe a gardener. I had a boss who retired and now, uh, who, who was fantastic, um, he retired as a creative studio manager and he is trying to get into the pot farming business, which I think is awesome because it would suit his personality perfectly, <laughs> you know, I don't think I'd be a pot farmer, but I think I would, you know, maybe corn, okay. vegetables, I don't know, I don't know, I've never not been a writer. Oh, I know what. I would have been in. I probably would have gone in forensics. I'm huge. Forensics. I'm a huge true crime buff. Huge, huge, huge. That's a bit of a left turn from a from a farmer or gardener. That's true. I'm just saying. And it's a little gross, but I think <laughs> it's a little gross. I don't think I would do well with dead bodies, but I think I would do well with crime scenes. Okay. They're fascinating. All right. So they would call you for the crime scenes that didn't have dead bodies. Right. Once the body is removed, ah, okay, I think I'm fine. Okay, so you, okay, so you don't have any problems with the spatter, or no, any of the brains, you know or any of that. If the body's dead, maybe. No, I think I. Oh, no, I've seen the JFK autopsy photos. I would not be okay with a dead body, but I think the crime scene would be fine. Okay, all right, <laughs> great. Um, okay, so we have a gimmick on this show that we are contractually obligated to live up to. Oh God. So Stacy Longo. Tell me about your damn book. Oh, that, it all makes sense now. See? See? 
See how it comes together? Oh, I like it. I like it. It works. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so I wrote this book called My Sister the Zombie. I am very close to my sister. Again, that whole bio about loving and supportive parents is very boring. And my sister, although, all right, in all fairness, my parents are a little nuts. So Everybody's my parents are a little nuts. Right, right. Like the, the, yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So my sister and I grew up in a bizarre household and we definitely have that bond of nobody else in the world understands what it's like to be raised by these two rather amusing but still totally nuts people. Mm -hmm. um, so we've always been very close. She is absolutely my best friend. And I wanted to write a book about two sisters with that kind of bond. And I don't know, the heck did I turn her one in, into one of the shambling undead? <laughs> I think I needed a plot. Sure, <laughs> so, sure, yes. there you go. So, so, there, so my sister the zombie, there are these two sisters, Blossom and Jasmine, and Blossom is unfortunately swimming in a lake when a nuclear power plant leaks leakage mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> toxic waste, toxic waste yep. into the lake blossom turns into a zombie and this isn't so unusual where they are they're out in arizona everybody's got zombies in the family i mean come on sure you know you live next to a nuclear power plant this is what happens mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh but arizona's not the best place for a zombie it's very dry you know, so, you know, her skin's drying out. She's shambling off into the desert. And their mother is a plastic surgeon. And she, which is fortunate for Blossom. It's convenient to the plot, too. It's very convenient to the plot, <laughs> yeah. And actually, the father works in forensics. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I kind of, you know, I did not want to make them my parents because I've made other parents my parents in books. So, um, <laughs> so mom decides New England is perfect. It is so humid in the summer. <laughs> and it this is. would be, yes, this would be good for Blossom's skin. The change of seasons would be lovely. So they moved to Connecticut. And then, and nobody's got zombies in the family in Connecticut. We're all so pristine and, you know, nuclear power plant. <laughs> Maybe off the coast of New London, but who cares about those Maybe. people? Maybe, but they don't have accidents there. <laughs> so um, they move to Connecticut. Nobody's a zombie. And then people start dying and their brains are removed and Blossom becomes a prime suspect. And these are teenage girls. And Jasmine wants to help her sister and solve the mystery. Mm -hmm. And um, so the two of them have to work together, but it's not all clues and suspects and convenient solutions because they, they are teenagers and they have teenage problems. Mm -hmm. Like stop going in my closet and borrowing my clothes. Mm -hmm. Or um, stop taking headshots at my sister. <laughs> so <laughs> and boys uh, <laughs> and yeah. boys too. Yeah, yeah. and boys. Sure. Right. You know, and makeup and, and you know and being popular and and the popular girls at school are not nice to Blossom and Jasmine. So I tried to work in some of the teenage angst that my sister and I went through in high school, and I did set it in our hometown because I needed somewhere. The, the people there would be politely horrified at the idea 
of a zombie moving into the neighborhood. Sure, sure. Now, unlike a lot of the, the books uh, on Tell Me About Your Damn Book, I've actually read this one. Yay! And it's <laughs> tremendous. It's really, really excellent. Uh, how were you able to channel that teenage angst? How were you able to remember that angst so far removed? Not so far hey. removed. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Neither of us are teenagers anymore. How were you able to, to capture that angst? Part of it was remembering some of the crap I went through in high school. Talking, I did talk to my sister about some of the crap she went through. I think she had it rougher than I did. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know she did. Um, and I did a lot of, so my sister now has two teenage boys and I did have to talk to them, I, you know, because, research, uh, right, research, uh -huh. research, and I can't say they were thrilled about that, although <laughs> some of it, I think they did enjoy some of the, I couldn't use, there were times when I was running the, the book through my writer's group, I had one author in the group, John Valeri, who would flag things like, this sounds like an old person talking, <laughs> so then I would have to go to my nephews and say, all right, in, instead of saying that this put me in a snit, what, what would you say? Yeah. And they thought that was hilarious <laughs> and old person-y. Uh -huh. uh, but uh -huh. they were very yeah. helpful. Okay. So I did have to do a lot of that. And then, so my editor on this book was Rob Smales, who was also my editing partner because I have a side business. Uh -huh. And um, thank God. Rob has a teenage son who is dating a teenage girl. Oh, perfect. So <laughs> he did. I would ask him something. He would ask Tom, who would ask his girlfriend, and then that was very helpful. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. I gotcha. And why why a zombie? Why not a, a vampire or a werewolf or any other of the, the creatures of the night? Um, a zombie was easier to get a resolution on, I think. Um, I knew... I thought I knew who did it until the end, <laughs> and then I said, "No, it isn't this person. It's someone else." Uh -huh. um, and I, I knew what I, how I wanted the murders to take place, and I didn't want to have to go through the effort of hiding a vampire or hiding a werewolf. I wanted something that could be out there all the time. Oh. Zombie, sure. That makes perfect sense. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And what, what sort of uh, age group do you think? Uh, this this book is written for uh, young adult. Uh, young like adult. a senior is going to read this and think oh, that's cute, but it's <laughs> it's too young for me. Maybe eighth ninth grade. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And um, what's next? What's your next project? So I have a tendency to stretch myself too thin. So no. I know you say no way. Yeah. I don't believe it. Uh, yeah, but I'm usually like really good about meeting my deadlines, but then when something happens, like your appendix ruptures, even though you're entirely too old for that to happen, then you go, oh my God, how did I, how did I keep up with all this? But True story, by the way, true story. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is why your book was delayed, I'm sorry. Um, no worries. <laughs> so, um, I have finished collaborating on a young adult paranormal adventure with Rob Smales. Um, we are in the process of hiring an editor to, because everybody everybody needs an editor. I know you think your work is perfect, it isn't. Um, True story. 
<laughs> um, so we have someone editing that right now, and then we're going to try and sell it. And then I'm also putting together a series of ebooks based on my blog and my past columns. Really? Yeah, so it's going to be a specific topic like Longo looks at dieting or Longo looks at Christmas specials. Okay. Actually, horrible Christmas specials because I hate all of them. Sure. Um, I remember that. So <laughs> I am just starting that now. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Excellent. Wonderful. Uh, we have a segment on the show called Questions from the Great Unwashed. Ah, oh, yay! My people! And these are <laughs> questions that were submitted via social media for you. Really? Yes. How did I not see any of this? Oh, I have my ways. Oh, Don't and you worry. did you get like one? <laughs> I got several. Oh, I really? got quite a few, yes. Uh, it's entirely up to you whether or not you want to answer okay. any or all of them. I will present them to you and you do what you will with them. Okay. Are they okay. going to make me cry? I don't know. We'll see. Oh, this will be fun. <laughs> we, we shall see. Um, so, Harry T. Watts. <laughs> go, go on. Wants to know, if you had a pen name, what would it be? <laughs> it depends on what I'm writing. Um, I think I would, Harry, I would do, do something creative as you have done. <laughs> I think something fun like Soggy Muff would be nice. S-A-U-G-I-E. Soggy In honor muff. of the hot dog. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But that would be for a very specific genre. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. So there's your answer, Harry T. Watts. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. John from Alabama, AL, is that Alabama? I think so. Okay, John from Alabama wants to know, what are your top five favorite books? Ooh, all right, it's going to be top five, top five. All right, um, The Hellbound Heart by Clive Barker. Okay. Cider House Rules by John Irving. Okay. Um, If Life of is a Bowl of Cherries, Why Am I Always in the Pits by Irma Bombeck. Okay. Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry. I'm trying to think of what I pick up the most often, and I don't want to repeat another Clive Barker. Um, I love you, Clive. Um, <laughs> uh, She's Come Undone by Wally Lamb. Okay. That was hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, Not that, just narrowing it down. I part. understand. <laughs> I, I totally understand. Um, Attila the Nun. <laughs> I love these names. Wants to know boxers or briefs? Boxers, totally. What? Or, all right, I wouldn't say no to, I don't like tidy whities um, but I think it's Hanes. They make like a long shorts that are not like, they're like long briefs. Okay. I'm all right with those. Okay. God, those are kind of sexy too. I think I've seen Dwayne Johnson in those. <laughs> I'm sure. So I'm, all right with I'm those. sure you have. 
I am sure you have. I wish it were in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Katie from Massachusetts says, I met you at Super Mega Fest late in the day and you were so nice. Uh, Wow, late in the day and I was nice? That doesn't sound like you. That's because Katie was nice. I guess, maybe. Uh, How do you keep so energetic and positive? You got me. (laughs) It's the coffee, right? It is. There's a lot of coffee involved. And really, it, it goes back to like, this is going to sound like I'm blowing smoke up here. Can I say ass? Go ahead. All right, yes. But there are some people in my life, most of the people in my life drain energy from me. Mm-hmm. There are, <laughs> they do. And okay. it's just, my husband's one of them. Okay. Like, and it just, and I can't, it, it's just the way they are. But uh-huh. there are certain people who I gain energy from. You were one of them. Oh, thank you. Matt Herring is one of them. Uh-huh. Um, so if I am next to someone like you or Matt at a at a convention, I, I can keep my energy. And I don't know why. I don't know why that is. Hmm. Maybe hmm. because you your expectations of my conversation are low. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I so I do better when I am near someone like that. Okay. Um, and that's really the only reason why. Because Katie, I can tell you. There are people who do not have that same experience. <laughs> there are, like at the end of the convention where I'm like, hi. And I look like I want to cry. Yes, I've yeah. seen that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that happen. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, Nick from New York asks, as an editor, what's the worst typo you've ever found? Oh, boy, there's so many to choose. I want, I want to say my favorite was a young man who had his main character working in a W-H-O-R-H-O-U-S-E, a warehouse. (laughs) That's not what it looked like. I mean, misspelled either way. Yeah. But not what it looked like. That doesn't sound very sexy. (laughs) And it wasn't until (laughs) I read the description that I really... Oh, he means warehouse. Oh, these are boxes. Not that kind of box. So, yeah. Yeah. That was probably my favorite. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's an excellent answer. Oh, good. That's an excellent answer. And then finally, uh, zinc oxide wants to know what's the most important life lesson you've learned along the way? Um, Have you learned any? Some. Okay. Some. Gee, that's hard. There's a million things going through my mind right now. If you have toxic people in your life who are bringing you down, get rid of them. Don't worry about hurting their feelings. Just get rid of them. That's an excellent one. Um, And don't... There's always more to learn. Don't think you're at the top of your game ever. You're not. Mm-hmm. You never are. There's always more to learn. And just don't don't be an asshole, man. You know, just be nice to people. That's my father or was it my mother? One of my parents at one point said to me, "You have no right to make other people feel badly about themselves. So just don't do it." So, nice. There nice. you go. Don't be an asshole. Don't I love be an it. Asshole. I love it. Uh, and this is this is my final question okay. to wrap up with. Yep. I ask it of, of all the authors who come on. It's a hundred years in the future. We're all dead and gone, hopefully. Uh, a young person goes into a library, hopefully there are still libraries, and approaches the librarian and wants to know about Stacy Longo. What does the librarian say to that young person about you? Who? 
<laughs> and on that <laughs> note, uh, <laughs> I guess that's all the time we have for this episode of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I would like to thank my guest, Stacey Longo. Thank you so much for coming. Thank it was you for really a lot me. of fun. This was great. And we will see you next time. Cheers. Thank you.